This is the Meatbag Podcast with Dylan Bedany. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 18 of Meatbag. I'm your host Dylan Bettany and this week we're turning our attention to caffeine, the unsung hero of productivity. From its ancient roots to the current madness of energy drinks, we're going to dive into the caffeinated rabbit hole, discussing its effects, its history and exploring how this stimulant shapes our daily lives. Without caffeine, I'm pretty sure half of us would still be in bed drooling on our pillows. So grab your favourite mug and let's get wired together because this... Is episode 18. 80% of the world's population consumes a caffeinated product each day. We've gone from sipping espressos in cafes to queuing for our customised Instagrammable concoctions. The way we consume caffeine has become like a symbolic reflection of our individuality, like the bat signal in Gotham City. Now let's look at the nerdy side of things. Caffeine, or 137-trimethylxanthine, belongs to the class of compounds called xanthines. Caffeine is sourced from coffee beans, tea leaves, cocoa beans, cola nuts, and is also produced synthetically. Now you might be thinking, yeah I know where caffeine comes from, but how does it do its magic once it enters our system? So caffeine is a central nervous system stimulant. We have a neurotransmitter called adenosine, which slows down nerve activity and promotes sleep and relaxation. Now caffeine works by blocking adenosine receptors in the brain. Caffeine prevents adenosine from binding to its receptors and exerting its calming effects. And that's when the magic happens. Alertness cranks up and suddenly fatigue is just a distant memory. And with adenosine out of the picture, other neurotransmitters like dopamine and neuropinephrine get a chance to shine. These neurotransmitters are associated with boosting mood, alertness and cognitive function. It's like a private party in your head. And adenosine didn't make the guest list. Now, are there any health benefits associated with moderate caffeine intake? Well, caffeine can potentially increase your mood. I'm instantly in a slightly more tolerable mood after that first sip of coffee. It's like happiness in a cup. And it's not just making you feel all warm and fuzzy inside. It has cognitive benefits such as improved memory, quicker reactions. It's like upgrading your mental software. Improved alertness and concentration is a given. Coffee, in particular, contains antioxidants that may help protect cells from damage caused by free radicals. And there is growing research that suggests modern coffee consumption may be associated with a reduced risk of stroke. Studies have also found that people who drink coffee regularly have a low risk of developing Alzheimer's and dementia. Now that we've peeked behind the curtain on how caffeine works, let's look at tea, coffee and energy drinks. Tea culture is all about tradition and rituals. Originating in ancient China, tea has spread globally. Even us Brits took a simple cup of tea and turned it into a three-course meal with scones and cucumber sandwiches. In many cultures, tea is the symbol of hospitality, bringing people together for meaningful connections and conversations. But I agree with Ted Lasso on this one. Tea is horrible. Absolute garbage water. Now, the discovery of coffee is one of legend. According to the tale, an Ethiopian goat herder named Chaldee in the 9th century discovered that his goats became more energetic and a little more lively when they ate berries from a specific plant. Not wanting to miss out on the pie, he tries the berries himself, and the next minute, he's buzzing like a toy in Summers. So then he shares his discovery with his local monastery, and the monks began experimenting with the berries and concoct a drink to help them stay awake. Fast forward through the centuries and here we are in the era of coffee culture, sipping on our venti double shot caramel macchiatos, all thanks to Caldi and his curious goats. Now if you're wondering, berries? Isn't coffee from beans? 
basically, the coffee plant produces a berry and the seeds within this fruit are referred to as coffee beans. They are seeds and not beans. Every day is a school day. And then we have energy drinks. They're like the rock stars of the beverage world with these weird and wonderful names like Monster and Relentless. Aldi, I love Aldi, Aldi have one called Dark Thunder. Sounds more like a 70s porno than an energy drink. That drink could fix your fridge. Energy drinks date back to the 20th century with our caffeinated infused colas, but the real game changer was in the 80s when Red Bull got its wings. Since then, it's been a wild ride, perfect for those moments when you need mental alertness and physical stamina. I don't think I've had many workouts without either a monster, a rain, or a cheeky can of dark thunder. Dark thunder. One question that is asked a lot is, if caffeine is a substitute for sleep? Short answer, no, obviously not. Downing three vanilla ventilators won't magically replace a night of quality sleep. I'm always banging on about the importance of rest days and sleep. However, when it's 11am and you want to climb back into bed, but you can't because you still have seven hours of work and people to smile at, then it's a great short-term alternative. Because caffeine is a stimulant, it can cause you to feel more awake and more alert. It's a wake-up call, but in liquid form. It's not a sleep substitute, but it's the next best thing when you're battling the midday slump. It's only temporary. Many people have different tolerances and sensitivities to caffeine, but typically it can take three to six hours for your body to metabolise half of what you've consumed. This is known as the half-life of caffeine. The American Academy of Sleep Medicine recommends that you don't consume caffeine for at least six hours before bedtime. So if you're planning on watching Love Island and then you want to go off to bed at 10pm, you should consume caffeine no later than 4pm. But everyone is different. Factors like age, genetics, liver function, body weight and even medications can influence how quickly your body processes caffeine. To get the benefits of caffeine without undesirable effects, conduct an honest assessment of yourself, your sleep, your energy levels and other factors that might be affected and reduce your intake if needed. If you react negatively to any kind of caffeine, don't be fooled by the decaf label. If tea or coffee says it's decaf or decaffeinated, it doesn't mean no caffeine. They still contain some caffeine, but in a much lower dose. Anyway, decaf is bullshit, isn't it? It's like going to Madame Tussauds. You know that's not Beyonce you're getting a selfie with, and you know that's not coffee in your cup. It just looks like coffee, but it's a cup of disappointment. Although studies have shown that caffeine is safe for most people when consumed in low to moderate amounts, some of the side effects of too much caffeine are anxiety, insomnia, digestive issues. Although small to moderate doses of caffeine can actually improve gut mobility, larger doses may lead to soft stools. Think squeezing baby food out of a piping bag or GERD, which is gastroesophageal reflux disease. Also, fatigue urinary changes, headaches, nausea and addiction. Caffeine can raise blood pressure or cause a rapid heart rate when consumed at high doses, but this effect may only be temporary. Best to monitor your tolerance. All of these side effects can affect people, but when they are at a large dose. So how much is too much? Well, the general consensus is about 400 milligrams for healthy adults, but this is where it gets interesting because 400 milligrams is supposed to roughly equate to about four cups of coffee. 
but not all cups are created equal. If you're going for the freeze-dried variety, there's about 44 milligrams of caffeine in each teaspoon of Nescafe Gold Blend. A Grande Latte from Starbucks carries 66, which is quite low. One of the lowest levels of caffeine on the high street, whereas Costa, Costa packs a huge 325 milligrams of caffeine in a medium cappuccino. So the next time you think, I've only had four cups of coffee, that doesn't mean 400 milligrams. If we look at energy drinks, the actual caffeine content varies widely. My personal favourite, the Monster Ultra Zero Sugar, contains 160 milligrams per can. Melomania from Rain, that packs 200 milligrams per can. Surprisingly, a can of Red Bull packs less than 80 milligrams per 250 can. And a standard 330ml can of Coca-Cola has around 33 milligrams. I think one of the most impressive I found was an energy drink called Hide Extreme that has 400 milligrams per 354ml bottle. 400 milligrams! Interestingly, people might avoid an energy drink because of the high caffeine content, but would happily enjoy a cappuccino from Costa, expecting it to be far, far less. And in the interest of being transparent, these caffeine stats have been sourced from either the back of the product themselves or directly from the beverage website. The experts tell us to delay our caffeine intake by 90 to 120 minutes after we wake because of adenosine and cortisol levels. So you have to wait, let that adenosine fade away, let the cortisol calm down. Don't have coffee when you wake up. That's like saying, don't have ice cream at the cinema or don't have sex on the third date. What's next? Don't steal mugs from Starbucks. Two days ago, actually, I skipped my morning coffee to make it to the gym at 6.30 in the morning. This isn't my usual slot, but those damn New Year's resolutionaries are everywhere still. And because this was a last-minute unplanned session, I didn't have time to buy a monster. So after my session, I thought, ah, let's see how I can get on for a whole morning without coffee or caffeine. I made it to 11.45. Seven people died that day. I need caffeine. I need coffee. I do everything by the book. I get my eight hours sleep. My hydration is on point. My diet is fucking superb. I exercise regularly. I'm doing everything right, but I still need that liquid gold. At the end of the day, we're all adults making choices. Caffeine can be part of a healthy diet, but too much might mess with your health. It's about moderation and making informed decisions. While caffeine does have diuretic effects, it's considered mild, especially when you compare it to alcohol in promoting fluid loss. However, some individuals, if they're not regular caffeine consumers, the diuretic effect may be more noticeable. Also, any excess or extra caffeine doesn't get stored in the body. It's processed in the liver and exits through your urine. It's important to stay hydrated. Drink water like it's your mission and you choose to accept it. So in conclusion... Caffeine should come with a cape. It's like a vigilante that swoops in to save the day. It enhances your mood, boosts your brain power and safeguards your health. The key is moderation. Listen to your body, stay hydrated and remember, decaf is like a haunted house with no ghosts. Total bullshit. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next week. I'm super pumped to have this podcast. I'm here to help you through the unbelievable world of healthy eating. Fad diets, TikTok trends, I'll be debunking myths and deciphering Brenda from Work's food recommendations. Here we'll cut through the fluff and the nonsense, possibly some oversharing, definitely some ranting, but I promise it's going to be eye-opening. Thanks for listening and as always, stay safe everybody. This is the Meatbag Podcast with Dylan Bedenich.